Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Walker Neer and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and today we catch up on the variety of titles that we've been playing recently. So what's up, Brett? What's got you picking up your sticks this week? So many things. Wow. Well, <laughs> please do tell. I've actually been playing a bunch of smaller games. Actually, not so many, but more, more than one is a lot for me, as we've we've discussed. So um, I also kind of start out with uh, one that I picked up this weekend. Uh, I'd heard about it before, but didn't look into it. And then uh, eventually did and heard more stuff about it. So I went and picked it up. I picked up Donut County. Donut um, County. Yeah. So not the most popular game out there. Um, <laughs> but it so I have we have actually talked about this. I play IO games a fair amount and have for a long time. And for those that aren't familiar, IO games uh, use the dot Indian Ocean or dot IO designator as a website and are just online games of various things like, you know, Snake or whatever, usually some kind of multiplayer style game of simplistic code. I think agar.io was one of the kind of original ones, which I love that as well. Played a lot of Paper and Snake and or Slither, I think it was called, and various IO games. And I played Slither IO back in the day. Yeah, Slither was super good. We actually had a ton of people playing Slither from here. I remember we had uh, uh, one of my friends in town and uh, my wife and myself all hooked on it at the same time. So we would all, a lot of them you could get on mobile apps as well. So we all would join into the same server and try to compete mm -hmm. for the top, not just the top one slot. Cause a lot of .io games have like a, a top 10 ranking on the side, right? Like I also play deep with four E's. I like that one quite a bit. Um, but they, yeah, so they usually have like a rankings on the side and, you know, competing for top spot is you know, what you do. And so I'm I'm totally derailing you here, but I have to ask, do you think that the .io games are kind of like the, I know it's not directly related as far as the companies go, but is it kind of like the modern version of like Newgrounds or, or something like that? Like the yeah. flash game scene from back in the day? It, it really is. I think it, it, it's, it really is a flash game, but most of them have a multiplayer aspect or ah. as we'll get into a faux multiplayer aspect, which gets really weird. Okay. Um, <laughs> but a lot of them are like, yeah, like, kind of like a flash game but instead most of them are built in like html5 or java and then just built into the web player so you don't have to download anything external and then a lot of them are multiplayer so that you have like a top 10 board and a more competitive kind of pvp sort of thing to it I see. um like slither is essentially like snake except with three 360 degree movements so you don't have just like the four cardinal directions and um so yeah, when we get multiple people, then you're not competing for just the top one slot. Now you're competing for the top three slots to see if you can own the leaderboard or whatever, like have a clan. Mm -hmm. And But they're also a lot faster games that are just, you know, pop in, pop out. You don't, you're not going to sit, you can sit there for a long period of time. I have, but uh, you can also just pop in for five minutes, pop out, whatever. And uh, one of them that I had played several times, but always got kind of bored with because it was just... A lot of them, I get kind of addicted to getting into that top spot. I want to get in the top spot. Or if there's certain things that you can achieve, like in paper.io is a lot closer to Snake in the sense that it's four cardinal directions, but the objective is to hit your tail. And whenever you hit your tail, it's kind of like the Tron bikes. You leave a trail behind you, except when you hit that trail, it paints in 
the whole section, the, the area that you have made the border around, right? So like if you paint the outside of a square and then hit your paint trail, it colors that whole section in. So now you have territory and on your own territory, you're safe. Um, so if somebody comes into your territory and you touch any part of them or their trail, then they die. And then, but if you're out making a square and somebody runs into your tail, then you die. So mm. it's kind of like opposite Tron bikes with this whole painting thing. I know there's another classic arcade game that's built off of this, and I can't remember. I think it's may just be some kind of paint bucket or something. Mm. Um, but one of the things that uh, I track, so that what they track in that game is your top score is based on percentage of the map owned. Mm. And so eventually as I got better and better at the game and there's like actually kind of some strategy and tactics you can do to fake people out and, and having war against two people whose territories are next to each other. Eventually I was like, I wonder if you can get a hundred percent of the map because you could go to the edge. And then if you were like, if you ran off the edge, you died, but if you were good, you could hit it right on the edge and, you know, make a, a whole box around the map. So I eventually pushed for trying to get a hundred percent of the map taken and I started noticing that, like, it just felt like some of the players weren't humans. And I was like, I mean, that's probably fair. They probably pad out the numbers with bots to make sure there's always people in a server. Because some of them just, there. once it, a person would get to, like, 30, 10 or 20, 30%, whatever the number was, they would just sit in their base. And I'm like, no person would sit in their base for that long. Because mm -hmm. you're just always moving. You can't stop moving. So it's not like you can get up and take a break and not die unless you have a macro that's just moving you in a square or something. But it's like it just but they would then instantly react if you tried to take any of their territory. They would defend it, but then they wouldn't get too aggressive past a certain point. So I was like, I feel like this is bots. Mm -hmm. But I eventually got my hundred percent and they even got a strategy for getting it faster and faster and got bored with it and quit playing. The another game that I started playing was hole.io. This is all coming back around. And You're me now. Yeah, I know. I'm in a circle all the way back. <laughs> in a circle, because holes are so wow. anyway. Um <laughs> so hole.io is you're literally just like a black hole on the ground and it's like a little city and anything that you, you can move the hole around with the mouse or WASD or whatever, and anything that can fit inside your hole will fall into it and you'll get bigger. So you start as like a small hole and you're trying to eat fire hydrants and like people walking around the city and fence posts and trees and whatever. And then as you get bigger, you can start eating buildings and bigger and bigger buildings and cars and stuff until you become so huge, you can gobble up skyscrapers and stuff. And, and there's other players on the map and you gobble them up as well and compete for size and whatever. And there's like a two minute game session. I think it's a timer linked. But on that one, it was even easy. Like, I barely had to try to get top spot, especially after I figured out there's a couple of spots on the map that are OP, in my opinion, mm -hmm. that if you go to, like, the park, it's full of a ton of small items and then is surrounded by these small apartment complexes that are pretty easy to eat. So if you eat the park, you are instantly able to eat all the apartment complexes because they're all right there, and you're just in first place now, and you're unstoppable. Mm. And I was like, this is just too easy that these I can't I it's not that hard to figure out I can't be the only person that has figured this out like come on mm -hmm. and I so I just kind of quit playing and somehow I ran into I don't know maybe a mini documentary or something because IO games are fairly popular and that they, they've you know 
especially in schools and stuff, because they're hard to block the pages and, and things like that. So um, there's been a lot, a ton of people that review them and play them and YouTube videos on them and documentaries on them or whatever. I don't remember where I stumbled across it, but I stumbled across somebody that was saying that uh, Hole.io is just a bot game. There, there are no human opponents ever, mm -hmm. even though it touts itself as a multiplayer game. And that actually a lot of these games do it and have even tables of not just generic names like that was another tell in like paper.io is there's a lot of you know greg and dave and you know simple names a cat dog whatever um but like hold.io has like kind of i don't know 90s gamer names um like 360 no scope and whatever you know things that you would think people like yeah that looks like a name that somebody made right. apparently they just hadn't like people that know how to dissect this stuff, you know, with the F12 menu and dev console and Chrome or whatever can find like they're like not encrypted pages of the name list. And it's hmm. just like 40,000 usernames and of common usernames or whatever dumped into a list. And sure enough, those are all the ones generated and people have gone and, loaded the page and then unplugged their Wi-Fi and played through multiple rounds. Like, so once it's loaded, it's just a single player game. Mm -hmm. And so it's this kind of faux single player that, or faux multiplayer that is actually single player that's touted by a lot of games. And there's, that was kind of the controversy around it was like it, tricking people into think they were playing these massive multiplayer games and they're not. And using that to fuel, because a lot of them have like skins for what it's worth or some other type of microtransaction or like on Facebook or spread the word, or whatever. I'm not sure. Ads mostly uh, for their revenue. So, hmm. you know, touting them as a multiplayer game and getting people to share their top scores and stuff was getting people to play them. But it's like, is it false advertising? And so there's a lot of controversy around it. But the other piece of controversy specifically around Hole was that it was essentially 100% ripped off of an indie game called Donut County. And we're here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so after I found this, I was like, well, I'm, you know, I refuse to play Candy Crush because it was ripped off like that poor guy that was, I believe, indie developer that was trying to make a game for like his grandma who was hospitalized or something. I don't want to get the story wrong, but is 100% ripped off of an indie dev who was legit trying to make the game as like part of a GoFundMe sort of thing. And so like, I, I just, it's one thing to make your game inspired by another game. Like we talked about Graveyard Keeper, um, but it's something completely different to rip off somebody's game entirely and then kind of sell it as your own without changing anything. Like Candy Crush is way worse than Donut County and, and Hold.io. To me, those are, derivative game did you ever see a bit of a departure but did you ever see the um the game that minecraft is based off of yeah yeah like i mean it's not minecraft because it's not it's not a builder game in the same no. way so it, you know to be fair to minecraft it definitely expanded but once you see that game that inspired notch like the digging and everything oh yeah it was exactly the same almost identical and it was like mm -hmm. huh that's it, strange. But like, uh, the, for me, that's a l slightly different because like Minecraft wasn't intended to be released. Like Notch built it to learn how to code games and because he liked this other kind of like Stardew Valley, granted, was built to be released, but was built because the guy loved, you know, the um, 
Harvest Moon. Thank you. The Harvest Moon games, there wasn't one on PC. Well, Notch just liked this kind of multiplayer, you know, red versus blue game with the digging, liked the systems, wanted to understand voxels, and wanted to learn to code. And somebody, I think, leaked his beta version that he gave to a friend to help him test it. And then it started blowing up from there. I don't remember the exact story, but it's ish in there, somewhere in there. It wasn't really intended to be released, especially not as early as it was. It was mostly a coding project. So it's like, I, 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 you know, I'm fine if somebody wants to learn how to code, but it like stealing game content, especially from indies, kind of makes me frustrated. So I went and the moral of the story is I went and checked out Donut County because I wanted to see how stolen it was. I mean, if it was just whole.io, but better, I was all about it. Cause I was like, the map needs balanced and the game needs less bots. So if there's a indie version of this and people are like, it has a story and characters and stuff. And I was like, really? So I got to look at this cause whole.io has no story and it's you're just a hole that sucks up a city. Mm-hmm. And so I went and looked and sure enough, it is a really cute game. Um, it's by indie developer, Ben Esposito. Uh, so just them and their, you know, their studio is their name. I don't know if they have any other games. Um, it's like 12 bucks on Steam. So, I mean, a little bit pricey, but not hugely pricely, pricey for, for you know, an indie game. And pricey only in the sense that there's not a terrible amount of gameplay. It's an afternoon game. But I was like, eh, I have no problem giving my guilt money to you because I feel bad because I played a fair amount of the game that, was apparently ripped off of you and it just kind of looked interesting it was like 3d graphics cartoony art style uh people and raccoons and like you're you're playing as a raccoon in a town trying to collect everybody's trash i'm like okay that's enough story for me i'm in you know give me (laughs) give me the hole (laughs) and it's actually i mean like the story doesn't blow you away or anything but it's a cute story and actually goes through multiple styles of game mechanics like if you think like oh this is simple it's literally like a two-hour game just play through the whole thing because near the end and like especially the credits scene which i will not give away they do some really fun stuff that i'm like this is really enjoyable as like there's boss battles in a, in a game that's about a whole sucking up just garbage there's boss battles there's story there's character development there's good graphics i mean it's built in unity it's all 3d uh (laughs) really good camera controls like as an indie game there's way more to this game than there should be for what it is (laughs) especially like after the first level or two you may think oh i get it or if you watch a trailer or something it shows that is yes about 75 80 percent of the gameplay but there is more to it and i'm actually kind of like I want more. I actually want more from this game. <laughs> so initially I felt like it was just kind of guilt money and probably going to be a couple of hours of eh, but, or maybe kind of fall in the category of like a creeper world that I come back to, to play a little bit here and there and kind of in my off time, basically what I would do for an IO game. But it ended up being, I just played straight through it, like maybe two to three hours. And it was super fun and very cute. And like, yeah, there's a couple of spots where the dialogue is like, unnecessary so it's kind of click through it as quick as you can but in the end it was actually really fun it had a cute story it, it had a ton of fun little items to, to mess around with it has an encyclopedia that's written by raccoons so like all of the items are just normal human items but raccoons describing them 
So because mm. the raccoons are collecting trash and they just everything is trash to them and they can't make trash. They don't know how they're trying to research it because they don't know how to make trash. And humans make all of this great garbage and they're trying to figure out what it is and how it works. And they just want to collect all of it. And so there's like fun little entries in the encyclopedia of just like goofy I don't know, jokes about human culture and stuff and materialism um but yeah super fun little time is you know a few hours on a saturday you know or a rainy day or whatever i would say totally worth the 12 dollars. and and i i've seen myself especially with indie games moving away from the like you know a dollar an hour of gameplay or whatever like that just doesn't mean much to me anymore i think just a good experience like a movie and popcorn 12 bucks you know and so i'm 100 percent fine with a game being a couple hours long if it's fun and cute and inspiring and enjoyable so i have three things yep. that i thought of to say uh one is you have fallen victim to the successful 99 cent marketing because it's 12.99 so it's really 13 oh it is it is 13 dollars. okay i'm sorry so yet again the marketing trick succeeds anyway um, <laughs> just well, that's a, an obvious one. I fall. I, I admit to that one all the time. Oh, I, I fall, it, as well I as the sales tax it. thing. Just, mm -hmm. it, I don't care if it's four fifty three when there's tax in it. Put, <laughs> make it five dollars, and I'll still I'll be much happier. <laughs> or the thousandth of a cent at the gas station. Like that's the only reason that that I don't even remember what that coin is called, but there used to be or a hundredth of a cent or whatever uh, token. That, but it's still in use, but only in gas stations. It's the only place that can charge hmm. that tiny of, a, of an amount. That's why there's three digits at the end of your... Anyway, you had more things. <laughs> yeah, no, and I'm just obviously teasing you about that. I just thought it was funny. Um, the other thing is, is that, so the while Ben Esposito is the person that makes that game, I looked it up on Steam while you were explaining it, uh, the publisher is called Annapurna Interactive, and um, they actually also publish a game. So the, probably the most popular one that I've heard of on the list is, is called What Remains of Edith Finch, which I don't know what it is, but I've seen it a lot. So it's somewhat popular. But anyway, they also published a game called Flower, uh, which it looks oh. like only came to PC in 2019. Did, but was did it, it start on PS2? Three? PS3, yeah. Three. So as P on PS3, it was kind of a, um, I don't tech demo is not fair, but but really it was it, it, what it was doing. It, it was when PS3 came out, and they have the what they call the six-axis controller, where mm -hmm. you can just tilt the controller, and there's like a I don't know what a motion like, sensor accelerometers. Yeah, thank you. Technology in it that allows that to to control things on the screen, which there's magic in it. <laughs> Proved to be pretty um, janky, really. I mean, it's just yeah. kind of, it's just not. It's it's hard to be precise with it because there's not a, you know, it's not a mouse or something. Right. There's just not the same feedback that you get with joysticks or with a mouse or something. But but anyway, um, but a really cool game, yeah. Where you like fly through a, a landscape that is largely devoid of color, and you you play as the wind. Right. <laughs> no, if I remember that, that was like kind of an indie launch game for the ps3 if i'm not yes yeah, yeah it was... so they touted that as like this is indie and this is pushing the limits of what the playstation can do 
instead of you know trying to launch with i think they did launch with some several AAA titles but they definitely lifted up an indie title along with it during their launch and advertised it yeah yeah kind of i mean it was around the same time as like braid um yeah when that kind of came to, to prominence but but anyway so that's interesting um what was my third thing let's see oh yeah so it, it also it kind of reminds me i mean i understand it's a wildly different experience but as far as what you were talking about at the end there with like cost versus time and how to evaluate the value or whatever and um it kind of reminds me of like gree that we did an episode about right mm-hmm. like gree is, yep. is not a long game or there's another game i played several years ago now called to the moon um that's this strange little indie game where like you play as this company that can basically create dreams for people and so you go to this old man who wants to go to the moon Hmm. and he's like on his deathbed and you are trying to help him get there by like putting this device on him and and then it's really it's very much like a it's not text-based there are graphics but the graphics are simple it's a very story driven game. So what you would call like a classic adventure kind of game. There are some light gameplay mechanics where you do some running around, but mostly you're just kind of clicking on stuff and talking to people. Um, But yeah, one of the few games actually that, and I I think actually I always say that only a couple of games made me cry, but it is actually one that did also. It was a really, really emotional story, but similar deal where, and I don't remember the cost of it, but, you know, it's a three hour experience at most. I uh, still say that you need to play Gone Home, which mm. I have tried to get you to play a million times. You have. Yes. Uh, I do own it, of course, but I have not played it. Oh, let's see. Um, I thought the whole issue was that you didn't own it yet. Uh, let's double check. Let's double check that since I so casually probably have gotten it. it from like a humble bundle. I know they kept out of that for a yeah. while, but it's been out for a long time. And uh, yes, I do own it. All right. I now do. click just. Just click install while you're there so you can just get Ooh. that step taken care of. You have like 800 games installed on your computer right now. Mouse ran out of batteries. So. Oh, whatever lies. Lies and slander. Yeah, he's a wired mouse. Anyway, so. <laughs> install it. It's good. <laughs> well, so the thing is, though, is that I do think that for me, at least, th- those kinds of games. Um. So to be clear, this isn't really fair to, to Donut County because it sounds like the gameplay of that is actually pretty intriguing, more so than even the story and stuff. Um, I mean, I mean like there's not, there. there's actually probably not as much to it as there is to Hold.io as far as like you don't play in the levels very long, at least until the later like I don't know end game or whatever. Um, but no, I mean it's it's a fairly simple game. There's some interesting physics based stuff that's kind of in there though, which is fun. There's some puzzle elements. Yeah, I guess my point is that, and it, and to be clear, I don't, I, I'm not, this isn't a zero-sum statement. Like, a, there's not a, a winner and a loser or a, a better and a worse or anything right. like that. It's just a preference thing. But I think it's interesting, and to me, it was really clearly illustrated in the conversations that we've had about Doom Eternal. Um, I think that that I am just much more motivated by, like, how does how does the game play versus what is it about or what is this you know the story and not, and again not that those things can't matter to me because again no, like, but you're very mechanics driven which i think we've yeah. kind of talked on before 
but like with doom like like you've you know you were worried whenever we we recorded our episode about doom eternal that i would like spoil the story but we recorded for i mean i don't know how long that episode is over an hour and i don't think i said anything about the story and that wasn't because i was like holding my tongue you know what i mean like it's just it's not what stands out to me um as what makes it so compelling now the story of doom eternal is cool and again it's not that i don't like story it's just that, yeah, I think generally I'm much more drawn to mechanics. Just the same, though, not that you don't care about game mechanics. Clearly you do. But I think you're a lot more motivated by, um, yeah, the stories of games. I think whatever. it's the experience, which I think can be a mechanical-based thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can also be a story-based thing. And I think that I think that in Donut County, it's I put it in, and, and which I would totally agree that, like, uh, a lot of the three-hour games like Gree and Gone Home, and I'll even put Donut County in there, um, are like a good rainy day experience. Like, I definitely think they're meant to be enjoyed all at once. Yeah, that's how, when I played To the Moon, when I read about it, that's how it was suggested, was like, if you if you can, try and set aside like three hours and just go straight through, and it'll be better. You'll It'll be a better experience for it. Um which I didn't play it separated, so I can't, I guess, compare and contrast. But I, right. it makes sense because it was, it was good all in one shot, you know. But it's so rare that games can be completed like that because, right. to your point, there's so much emphasis put on the dollars versus hours thing. Which I don't know. When I, I think we've talked about this on another episode a while back. But, but either way, when I was younger. And frankly, had less money to buy games. Right. Um, I did care about that more. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I I don't really. Uh, and, and I don't know. I think we also saw the gaming industry, though, go in a completely different direction where like Assassin's Creed games just continued to get bigger and bigger or like Far Cry. Like you played Far right. Cry had this experience where it's like couldn't complete it. Yeah. Like they. <laughs> They're they're definitely afraid of being labeled with like this took twenty hours and it's not fair, right? And so they're like, well, we're going to give you a hundred hours, but it's a hundred hour. A lot of it's bloat, you know. A lot of I it's mean, not- for for a sixty dollar game to be completed in like a three hour time span, it better be the expe- the amount of experience better be that much more. Like an indie game that's three hours, like Agree or Donut County, like yeah, twenty bucks for those is great. It's a good experience for your money. But and now I don't know how long it is, so I cannot put this in that same bucket. But uh, like in that, we so we had discussed the interview um, for kind of Alex and mm. um, just the Gabe Newell interview. Yes, yeah. Sorry, I'm blanking on names today. <laughs> um, so yeah, the Gabe Newell interview on uh, I believe it was IGN that did that one. I think so. Yeah. Um, but they talk a lot about Alex, and they show a little bit of gameplay of it. I'm looking at getting VR soon. It's up there in the... It may not be 60, but it's at least 40. Um, so it's kind of close to a full-priced game. And it may not have full-priced content in it, but it looks like... I mean, one, it's VR, so I'll give it that. And it looks like a good experience. It looks like a fun, interesting time. So I'd be willing to, to give that a shot for the $60. I wouldn't be willing to give, you know... Which I, not that it would, but something like Gone Home or Donut County, sixty dollars. No, but they're not trying to, and I, I think that 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 like, I probably hold 
a triple a developer asking 60 dollars for their game up to a lot closer of that standard not necessarily that i need 60 hours out of it but if it's done in three i'm probably gonna you know if, if i can complete the game and get a steam refund for it <laughs> Right. No, I would agree that, that, you know, three hours for a $60 game would certainly be too low. But honestly, I've kind of landed that I think about 20 hours is really where my sweet spot is. Um, for a game to go beyond 20 hours, like now, you know, something like Factorio or Terraria that's not linear right. in progression, certainly I, I will play those for much longer than that. But like... Um, like Mass Effect. I remember when I played through the first Mass Effect and I did every bit of content that I could in the game, you know, every side quest and everything. And I think I clocked in at like just over 20 hours yeah. and and it felt like a complete experience. Like I wasn't like, yeah, I need another 30 hours tacked onto that. Like, right. Because past a point, and I think for me, maybe it is because I'm so attached to mechanics. It's like, well, what are you going to introduce for the next 30 hours that's going to be compelling because if it's if there's if there's not new gameplay to introduce for the next 30 hours right i probably don't care you know like because yeah. <laughs> i'm not as motivated by you know by by seeing the story or whatever um but yeah i don't like i know that the call of duty games for example the since modern warfare you know they've all had campaigns well up most until of the them couple, right yeah <laughs> Largely, they all had campaigns, but those campaigns were like five or six hours. And while that is short, and while I don't think it's worth a $60 experience for me to play through a Call of Duty campaign that's six hours long, I don't wish the Call of Duty campaign was was 20 hours long. That's like, fair. And I, I think a lot of it also know. is that they, for the most part, were not touting their campaigns as the the crux of the game most of it was sold to multiplayer and right. that is i would loop that into the experience right that like sure and i i played quite a bit of black ops 2 online and some zombies mode and, mm -hmm. and various things so i mean that definitely got, feel like i got my money's worth there yeah. um so yeah i mean I, I i agree and i i think i too have backed off of the you know when it was a necessity to have a game last that long because it needed to last several paychecks Right. Um, or until birthday or Christmas or something, then it was a lot more important to get that gameplay out of it. But I think that especially with indie games available now, too, which is something we didn't have growing up, really, um, you know, it's a lot easier to like, well, maybe a $10 game is five hours is great for a $10 game, you know, so and that's yeah. $2 an hour and that's an indie dev. And I'm more than willing to give my money to an indie dev than, you know, EA or something like that. And it's all, I mean, the other thing that, that's also changed in the landscape is, I mean, it's <laughs> to be clear, not that it, not that the listeners probably care about this, but it it's not that I'm like balling so hard now that I'm just dropping $60 on games all right. over the place. It's more that now you can get access to AAA games through things like Humble Bundles and Steam sales and all that stuff. Or for Origin very Access, discount. or there's a lot of yeah. streaming bits that you can get into. So Right, right. Um but I don't know. I I always thought that the and we can certainly move off of this. I know this wasn't what you wanted to talk about the whole time, but I think that um, I think that the dollar per hour thing is it's something something that I definitely used to subscribe to, and definitely something that's very popular, you know, in the the zeitgeist of whatever. But um, it's also kind of unreasonable because no one demands that from a film. Like right. if you go see a movie, 
no one is like, well, it needs to be at least five hours if I'm paying 10 bucks for this ticket. Like, right. Five hour movies. So I don't know. It's also weird how we have associated this standard to games that no other medium has. You know what I mean? Like nothing else has to provide that much content per dollar yeah and i I think it it may not even be i I at least haven't seen it touted as much uh in recent maybe even years i don't think i've seen uh, it used to be a very common phrase and a very common Mm -hmm. thing that people would talk about but i haven't seen that for at least a good while i think that sandbox games probably have like gta 5 and even that doesn't have to be a building game but any game that has a lot of sandbox or multiplayer aspects to it uh, people just aren't going to tout that very much. I think in the era of single player only, especially, I think it really was attributed to things like RPGs, where mm-hmm. an RPG needed to have a significant amount of content generally, and people would get mad at episodic stuff. Um, yeah. Where now I think that that's just, it's not as expected. I think having more, I think end game content at least, and maybe even that's on its way out some, but for a long while that became the new dollars per hour is how good is the end game? Like right. the re- none of the rest of the game matters. What are rift runs like? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, I would say an experience I've had on the opposite end of that spectrum is actually the Witcher three, which is a gorgeous game and a well-designed game. And a like everything about it is excellent but it's like a hundred hours just to get through the main campaign without DLC. Right. And after I got to hour, like, I don't know, 60, I was just fatigued. It was like, I don't, I don't care anymore about all of these. They weren't even side quests. They're like, they're just not the main quest. It's the, it's the Russian doll of constantly Mm -hmm. being like, Oh, you need help from, you need to say, you need to solve problem X. We'll go talk to person a, who's going to have you solve problem Y but that's going to make you talk to person B who yep. needs problem Z saw it. It's just like, Oh man, please just <laughs> let me save the princess. Like just, for the love of I God. I just need a shovel to plant the plant. I should, <laughs> right. to, I just, any blacksmith I can get a rock. <laughs> I'll dig with my hands. Like, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so, uh, so donut County. Uh, donut so County. what else? Yep. Uh, I have been addicted, which we have talked several times, you know, just in, in, you know, what are our normal conversations, but I've not brought up on the podcast. Uh, I've been super addicted to a new mobile game. Mm. And it is once again with the, the terrible, I don't know how I find these things that are so terribly search engine optimized, like really bad SEO, like things I stumble upon. So it's called random dice, but Googling random dice is going to get you into like, D&D and the mechanics <laughs> of randomization in games and things like you don't want any of that. Uh, so it you, when it used to have a good name, that's the messed up thing. They rebranded to a worse name. It used to be called <laughs> Royal Dice, ah. which I think is much more. Now, maybe there was some copyright claim or something on it, but still don't rebrand to something worse. Right. But if you search for it, you, if you do search for it, search for Random Dice PVP. I think it's like Random Dice PVP Battles or something. It has an extended sub name uh Mm. that i've never paid any attention to it's by developer 111 percent um which they do a fun thing when it loads to 100 percent it then flashes and loads to 111 percent which is kind of cute but anyway (laughs) it's the little things we've talked about it it's the small enjoyable distractions you see the the screen a lot yeah Yeah. (laughs) Uh, um their logo is a little battery that's like exploding out it's like fully charged and it's like juicing out of the top 
too much percent. Yeah, right. it's too much. But it is a <laughs> uh, so similar to kind of Bloons card battles, which I've talked briefly about in the past. Um, it is a tower defense PvP game um, where you are one on one with another player. And it's based on kind of these dice mechanics. So you build a, like, I guess, a quote-unquote deck of five dice. And all of the dice have different abilities from, you know, chain lightning to uh, freezing enemies or locking them down or poisoning them or, you know, all your standard kind of tower defense fare. Um, And then you spawn on a board that's like, I think it's a three-by-five board. And there's only one track, and in PvP mode, it's the same track on both sides. It's just a little U. The GUI, the GUI is very simple, very flat, very, you know, there's no crazy backgrounds or waterfalls or anything like that that you would see in, like, a, a normal kind of tower defense game to try to spruce up the environment. There's no environment. Monsters are blocks that have numbers in them. The numbers go down until they reach zero, and they die. And they die by disappearing. <laughs> um, but you... There's there's just layers of random elements, and at first I was wondering if there was a point to the PvP because it seemed so random. But there's actually a, a pretty depth of strategy to it too. So you basically have a button that is your spawn cost, and you have a an amount of money. And every wave, a number of guy units spawn or boxes spawn that you try to beat down. And every time you hit the button to spawn a new dice, your increment goes up by 10. So you start with like 100 credits, and it goes 10, 20, 30, 40, and that. So you put four dice on the field to begin with, and that's all your money. Um, and then you earn 10 credits for every you know little monster box you kill. And then uh, every 10 rounds, there's a boss monster that both guys have to fight. And then at every 10 rounds, you get 10 more credits per dude that spawns in the field. Because you start going exponential in the amount of cost to get dice, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason that you need more dice is because even though it's like a, it's a, I think it's a three by five field, um, if you have two dice that have the same number of pips, which is a little number on top, and are the same class of dice, so like two poison dice that are both level one, um, when you merge them together, you can merge them together by dragging them on top of each other, and they'll turn into a two-pip dice of a random one of the dice that are in your deck. So that was the other thing. Whenever you spawn a dice, you get random dice each time. So you, there's no guarantees of what you're going to get, and when you merge them, there's no guarantee of what you're going to get unless you get certain legendary dice later. But So it, it, it kind of develops this mechanic of, you know, if I... Sp- merge two of them together a two pip dice is doing twice the dps and usually there's like a kind of a formula for like you know maybe it does 10 damage per shot but then per pip it also gets five damage so mm. a two pip would be doing two shots so it's shooting faster and each one is doing 15 damage so you're getting that kind of boost in there um so there's some mechanics around you know filling up your board versus having a few small like three really high level dice versus having 10 low level dice you know there's and each of the dice work differently some of them deal more damage like there's a chain lightning dice that deals more damage to the dice behind it than the first one so you Mm. want a really high number of pips because it'll deal damage to that number of monsters in a line so a six star dice will hit six guys back and deal more damage to everyone back than it does to the first one 
-hmm. So, you know, there's, and there's, I don't know, maybe 25 different dice, maybe a little bit more than that in, in the roster that you can get. Um, it does have some kind of loot boxing mechanics, but not in the sense that you buy like a hundred loot boxes. Um, it's usually like the guaranteed loot box of the day will give you a specific dice and coins and gems or whatever. I've been playing totally free to play and have made pretty significant moves up the ranks. It's it changes from like when you first start playing, it seems random and pointless, but as you start kind of figuring out how the dice work together and different deck builds. And as you start earning some more of the rare dice, you unlock all of the like regular dice, I guess, non-legendary dice through just general gameplay. Um, and it has a, it has, so there's a co-op mode too, which we'll get to, but that's how you unlock most of your dice. But yeah, there's actually like, you start building this strategy where there's actually good decks to play and kind of meta decks and there's bad ones and, ones that counter different styles because in the pvp mode every time you kill so in the pvp mode um it just goes for a time limit instead of like a number of rounds i know i said rounds earlier because i played too much of the co-op mode um in the pvp mode it's like a two minute timer and then all of your monsters will get combined and all of their life totals will be added to the life total of the boss and if they ever reach the end you have like three hearts so you can take three hits and a boss monster takes two hits out of your total. Mm. Um, and then in the PVP mode, a, a monster will spawn every so many seconds on each side, but also every time you kill a monster, it spawns one on the opponent's side. Mm. So the faster you kill them, the more will spawn on the opponent's side. And if they're killing them faster, they'll start stacking up on your side. So it's this tug of war sort of game. And there just actually ends up being a lot of strategy to the PVP mode where there, there's just a lot to how the DPS of different dice work and having lots versus little. There's different dice that generate revenue. Some of them work better if you actually have a long tail of monsters on your side is beneficial to you than destroying them all super fast. And there's decks that can win in the first minute of the game. And there's decks that if they if they don't die in the first minute of the game, then they'll win in the second or third round or something like that. So there's different ways to kind of build something that's going to be a glass cannon or is going to ramp up or, you know, there's just a ton of strategies because there are so many dice in the game and each one of them functions fairly differently from the others. And so there's just, there's a surprising amount of depth and there's this co-op mode. So the co-op mode is the 10 wave boss, um, 10 wave boss money increments. And in that one, it's so instead of having a U-shaped track where all your stuff goes around, it's a T-shaped track and enemies spawn on both sides and come toward the middle and then go down a central line to a central finish line and you only have one heart. So both players start by attacking the units on their side, but if they merge into the middle and you have something that attacks whatever enemy is first, or even if you've all killed all your dudes on your side, then you'll start killing your other co-op person's dudes. And there's decks for that that are you want somebody that's like a support and a DPS. And so like there's different builds that you can do to do crowd control or money generation or help your opponent and make their stuff more powerful. So there's different builds that work in there. And it's just it's surprisingly engaging, I guess. And it's I don't get into we've talked before. I don't do comp competitive games often. Um, now there are 
kind of stop gaps, I guess, where you need to eventually have some legendary dice to progress, but you can get them pretty, pretty frequently through the co-op mode. And it encourages the PvP mode because you get like you get a, a rank or an MMR or whatever, your matchmaking rank um, also determines the amount of money and cards that come out of the boxes that you earn in the co-op mode. So mm. you kind of want to go back and forth between play some co-op mode for all, and you can upgrade your dice outside of the game. You can level them up and spend money on them to make them more powerful or whatever. Um, but again, I've earned all, everything free to play, haven't spent anything on it, and I've been doing just fine. And so like you play co-op mode for a little bit, then level up a couple of your dice, then take those dice, go into the PvP mode, get a higher rank, jump back and use that higher rank to get, you know, that's the game loop. Get more money, hmm. more PvP to get more PvE, and then back and forth. But it's it's been so much of my time. For something that, like, the matches are always super fast, the longest, it's not until you get into, like, the late meta, like, I'm rank 10 and I can just now build kind of the meta support deck for PvE. And those matches getting to like wave 40, it's like maybe 10 minutes. Like it's still not that long. And most PvP battles are between one and five minutes or less. Uh, early game, it's way less. <laughs> hmm. But it's just like, it's a great pop in, pop out, have some fun. And I've, I've been addicted to wanting to rank up in PvP, which is very rare for me. Like wanting to get in those upper echelons, like. <laughs> well, so, um, so you know, I, I certainly have not played it, but it it it's it reminiscent, at least on the surface, of like a, I don't know, a trading card game, like a Hearthstone, which you've played a little Hearthstone. So, how would you? Which you didn't, you weren't super enthralled by Hearthstone. No. But is that because you weren't playing on a phone? You were just playing on PC, so maybe maybe a little bit. That ties into it. I think part of it too is just like I probably have some foul taste in my mouth from playing and buying in and selling out of magic cards so many times. And there is definitely I think that while you can earn everything in game in Hearthstone, it's either A way more grindy. I don't know that it actually is more grindy, but there's a lot of grind to it. And for me that grind just isn't as enjoyable it usually means losing a lot of games on the ladder um and do you still earn things in this game even if you lose um you can't so in the pvp uh it used to be that you did they just had a recent update where most of the time you do um but you have to watch an ad to get it you know okay but it's not a huge that's not a huge there's not it's not an ad every five minutes like a lot of games are um and in the co-op mode, it's just play until you lose, and you get uh, basically a card for every round that you beat. And then when you get 40 cards, you can open up one of the loot chests. So usually, like, getting to round 15 isn't that difficult. So that's like three two-minute matches to get a, a box of stuff. And then once you get into the meta, a 40-round match just is a box. And so, like, you could be earning... I, I think that's maybe what it is, is just that you're not like you're earning legendary cards left and right. I have unlocked most of them. I've played maybe a month or so in free time and whatnot. Um, and I think you just are constantly earning stuff, and that stuff is useful. So, like, 
in Hearthstone, sure, you can dust cards, but if you're dusting common cards that you're pulling from packs, it's almost like you're not doing anything at all. And in this, you actually have, like, a critical damage percent modifier that is equal to, you know, this little calculation. But basically, every time you upgrade any of your dice, it adds, like, a percentage point or two or four or whatever to your global critical damage pool. And that global pool is used no matter what dice you have in your deck. So mm. when you go back into PvP, you can upgrade dice that you may not even want to use, or maybe you did use and no longer do, and they still help you out in your PvP mode, because now you're just dealing higher critical damage. Um, so, I mean, like, I, it could just be, in the comparison to Hearthstone, that you earn things a lot faster. Like, instead of getting, you know, your... 100 gold a day by doing three quests if you get the right ones rolled and maybe an arena or something it was very difficult to progress in the free-to-play for me in hearthstone um yeah i think so well that's why i asked if you earn anything when you lose because in hearthstone you don't so right. or at least you didn't I, I now i haven't played hearthstone in a year or two so i don't know for sure now but um at least previously yeah you you only i mean you have your your quests but once those are done I think it was like 10 gold per win. Right. But if you don't have decks, then you don't win very often. Yep. And it, it, it is absolutely a long slog. So yeah, so it definitely fair. pushes the like, just go buy some cards, you know, or buy our adventure pack for $20. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's free to play. So I mean, they have to monetize it somehow. Right. I get it. And so is, and so is the, the random dice game. Um, And there are like, you can pay to, get more loot boxes or upgrade your dice faster or whatever um mm -hmm. but and there are some so like there is a hard limit in kind of around between rank eight and rank 10 there's just one dice that is in my opinion super overpowered and if you mm -hmm. don't have it you either have to build a deck that can beat that deck really fast or you just have to go grind co-op games um and then at certain points you'll be able to raise your crit percent high enough that you'll just be able to to kind of run over them but even that only lasts that gets harder and harder to do but luckily i'm rank 10 i think rank 20 is the max but the upgrades to the loot chest stop at like rank 12. Mm. so i'm earning like I'm getting pretty good loot chests, and I have noticed that I've gotten more legendaries, so the legendary percent definitely goes up as you rank up in PvP. Um, so I'm definitely not far away from getting every dice in the game, really. I have most of them. Um, and I've been tempted a couple of times to, like, ah, oh, well, you know, I could put, like, in a dollar or two, but it's their packs are actually really expensive, so they don't do a lot of small microtransactions. It's a lot of, like, $10 packs, um, and for me, I'm not going to spend $10 for, and, and even that, the one dice that you need, you can't purchase. They will not put it into, which I think is kind of okay. Like it's an OP dice, but it's only available in either the PVE or the store or something. Cause they have a store where you can visit so many times a day to pick up new stuff or whatever. Um, so yeah, at least that's fair is that it's not like $20 for the dice that'll get you to win. Like I'm okay with that. So and, and having the gates, I think, is good because I've even, I have, I've been working on trying to build a deck that can beat the meta without using the meta. 
Um, and it's definitely not efficient. It, it's not, I'm not like some king of the game or something. So it's definitely hard to do, but I can get like a 30% win rate against the meadow, which I think is really good for not having just the most ridiculously overpowered item in the game that everybody has. Sure. So like, and I've also kind of found out that it's easier to progress on Sundays. I don't know why. Maybe all the good players are at church or something. But on Sundays, nobody has the meta dice. So, like, I just save up during the week and play PvE. And then on Sunday, it's hit the PvP really hard, try to get as many games as I can to rank up. <laughs> right. I don't know, but it's been... I've talked way too long on what is essentially, like, a two-minute mobile game. But it's really good. And I don't know. I've been really sucked into it. Yeah, no. I mean, I... um. I've never really been able, I shouldn't say been able, I haven't ever found a, a mobile game that's really sucked me in, um, which, I mean, I think we did a whole episode about mobile games early on in the podcast, and my thoughts haven't really changed since then, but, right. um, but I've always been, jealous isn't really the right word, but like, to some extent, that sentiment, like I... Uh, it would be cool to find something like that that's just super easy to pop open and just go or like a, another friend of of mine that you know he he likes to play what's called like an MMORTS game like Evany online as a an example right. um i i i personally just i mean i've tried he's he's had me play many of them with him um and i just can't just can't get into it but uh I've always thought it was super cool that he has, you know what I mean? Like, right. cool him. like I wish I was in on that. So um, I don't know. I think that there's, I think the word you used at the very beginning of your explanation, which is engaging is, is really the key. I mean, if something grabs you and now we were talking about earlier and you said something similar before we were recording and I, and I said, well, as long as it's fun and you don't feel empty inside afterwards. Right. Well, and <laughs> I'm, I say that just because when I play like clicker games and stuff that, that are the mobile games that I've tried to, I'm like, oh, people get sucked into this. Maybe I can. I absolutely will get sucked in as far as like the, the hours vanish. Brain, yeah, the lizard brain addictiveness is there. <laughs> but whenever I finish... Uh, playing one of those games or, or find that I've lost a lot of time to them. It, it, I don't know. I just, I literally feel like physically ill. Like I, like I get like an anxiety and not when I say physically ill, not like a fever or something, but there's just an anxiety that I get. So um, no, I mean, it definitely, we've talked before about like the, when you feel like when you ask, when you have to ask yourself, what am I doing this for? That suddenly mm -hmm. that it breaks the immersion and you're done playing. And it's just, it's really easy to find that there's not a whole lot of point in a clicker game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, it happened to me recently with Terraria. I had a, a, a couple of friends that started playing again. And so I jumped back into it and I was like, Oh, I'm going to make a, a house that I haven't made before design wise. And so I, I started building like a, it's very vain and silly. I get it, but a W <laughs> shaped out. <laughs> Um, which was kind of cool because the rooms are like offset because they go up at an angle, yeah. right? So you always don't a little line bit up of a challenge that. in there. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's kind of a it just. I've, it just doesn't look like most Terraria hotels. Right, it's not see. a giant brick, and it's not a brick house right. or roof or anything. 
But after like three hours of me, you know, building and using platforms to measure out to make sure it was equal on both sides, because the extent <laughs> in the screen or flashes in my brain, cast yeah, one square, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and taking like a hammer and flattening out all the angles to make it smooth, you know, mm -hmm. a smooth diagonal line for the W. Like, I don't know if it was really three hours, but I spent quite a bit of time doing it and then stopped. And I, the house, it was not done. I had just basically built the frame in maybe the first like eight rooms for NPCs. And I just, the same feeling that I get with the clicker game happened where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I know that this doesn't actually matter to progressing in the game at all. And I don't actually care that much. And no one else is ever going to look at this. So it's not, I'm not even sharing it. I mean, I guess I could take a screenshot and tweet it, but for, to, to what end? You know right. what I mean? Like, it's also not that cool compared to the some of the stuff that people have done in Terraria that is really, really cool, actually. That's really... And so, like, that's part of the reason why I've been playing these off games is because as much as I really do love Avorian and I want to beat it, I kind of hit that point where it's like, so I do like building cool spaceships and I do like taking screenshots of them and sharing them. But because the build tools are that much better in this game and I'm no voxel you know build an air you know top tier crafter to begin with the things that people are making are so ridiculously cool that i'm like i'm just gonna go hide in a corner with my box and <laughs> yeah well i mean i i read a guy though on steam uh the steam forums or something for avorian who was like yeah i've been building ships and you know you can download my ship designs or whatever he spent 800 hours in creative mode building ships yeah so it's also I my, my point just being it's not like a it's not like you're a scrub that doesn't have the capacity for it like you're up against someone who's spent nearly half of a working full-time job year of time just doing that right <laughs> so you know but it's I, but I mean that's the same thing that you'd be up against with like a terraria build too though is there's all right. of those cool builds are not something that somebody put together in a night or in a few hours they spend right yeah the first time they played or something mm -hmm, right? exactly so no i, I definitely I feel that i've been playing i mean i guess that kind of brings us to like I, so to, to end if i think the other thing that i like about the dice game is that it's it's got that tower defense feel and we've talked mm -hmm. about so like it really is the closest comparison is the balloons tower defense card battler only a little bit less aggressive in the just like I don't know. It is a PvP, but it's also kind of easy to take the loss, I guess. Um, yeah. And it's a lot faster. So, I, yeah, it's been a good game. I just wanted to compare it. The closest thing that I could compare it to, if you like or even kind of enjoyed Bloons TD Battles or Tower Defenses, and you want something that's a fast, engaging, quick PvP and PvE-style game, Random Dice is for you. Um, but that does bring us to, like, that's most of what I've played in the last week outside of some of Orion as well. Uh, you mentioned Terraria this week. So what else have you been playing? I have gabbed for a ridiculous amount of time about my dice game. <laughs> so, so I do have to just clarify that the, the beginning of the episode starts with you being super excited about all these titles you're playing. And it's two. Is that accurate? Uh, and of Orion. So that's three. Okay, so three. And okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm, there's probably I did play. So I also played some whole.io, which what? Nice. Got, got me to play Donut County. Um, I did install 
uh, Path of Exile, but I've not got mm -hmm. into it yet because um, we were talking about possibly playing. The Delirium update has been out for a while now, so mm -hmm. hopefully we'll do some of that for a future episode. So that's been downloading and installed. I actually have installed a couple of other games, but I haven't jumped into them yet. So, so I have sorted my Steam by recently played and um, there were some that I even forgot about. I was so going to say we're... you were we were talking earlier and you were frustrated that you didn't remember. Yeah. So I I played a game that I got in a humble bundle monthly thing called My Friend Pedro. Okay. Uh, I think I've heard we... of this. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's had some media coverage. I've seen I think maybe Kotaku or someone like that talk about it. It's um it's a it's a very strange game it i would be interested to see what you thought of it and you could probably do better you could probably articulate better the visual style of it but so you play as a, a, it's like a 2d side scroller kind of game where you play as a, a guy who gets a pistol and then eventually i unlocked like an uzi and it's kind of it's it's almost kind of like a kind of like a puzzle game because the the levels are all very short. And so you're trying to get through the levels uh, by like getting to the end of the level and you're killing bad guys as you go with your, your, your guns. Um, but it's got really kind of silly physics. And so you can constantly like jump and like do like flips through the air and then like slow down time kind of a la max pain. Um, and if you like tap the A button, then you can dodge. So you can dodge incoming fire by hitting A at the appropriate time or you know, whatever the button is. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, I, I mean, I, to be fair, I spent 23 minutes playing My Friend Pedro. So <laughs> I don't have a deep review of My Friend Pedro. Um, but I mean, in the, in, that's what I mean by the levels are short. I probably got through, I don't know, seven or eight levels in the 23 minutes that I played. So... Yeah. It's not like I was great at it, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's an it's an interesting little game. I don't know how motivated I will be to continue playing it going forward, but um, yeah, it was interesting. Also, in that same humble humble bundle, I got Planet Coaster, which is a game that I've looked at for a long time because I loved theme park. Uh, yeah, theme park when I was a kid. Um, not Roller Coaster Tycoon. I never really played that, but that was like, theme park. Ro Roller Coaster Tycoon 2, I think, was my jam. My dad and I both got really addicted to those games. So we played both of them. Yeah. The roller coaster games were more about designing a roller coaster, um, whereas Theme Park was more of like a, a business sim. I mean, both the Roller Coaster Tycoon games were largely Tycoon they are. style. It does focus. On, there's a lot added to the roller coaster part that's not in some of the other pieces. But there was a lot of, but, you know, making a good park required you to have a lot of other rides. There is, but but yeah, I mean, anyone that I ever knew that played Roller Coaster Tycoon, because it was at one of the schools that I went to when I was a kid. It was on one of the PCs, and that was what everyone spent their time doing was like trying to design cool roller coasters. Right. And in theme park, there's there's just not an option right. to do that. Um, so anyway, so I I I loaded up Planet Coaster, and it looks very pretty. Um, and you can design your own roller coasters, and there are also you know standard fair rides or whatever right and ride. like pre-built coasters and stuff too so you don't have to design one if you don't want to right um 
I just didn't really care. And I don't know if it was just that I wasn't in the mood or or, or what it was, but I was going to say, like, you'd been wanting that one for a while, hadn't you? Uh, I've always looked at it and I always didn't get it because it all the reviews say that if you are interested in creating an aesthetically pe- pleasing theme park and you like kind of the the creative side of it, there's a ton of options. I mean, there's so many options just for footpaths alone. Wow. Um, that, right. Um, that if that's what you're into, then it is a tremendous game. And I can see where that's true from the brief time I spent with it. But I'm more interested in it for like the the business sim side of it. And while that's there, it's it's just not what's emphasized. Right. You know, it, it's present, but that's it's not the game just isn't really that deep in that way. And that's kind of what I what I ran into when I played it was like I didn't care about trying to pick a footpath that looked cool or something or whatever. You need a theme park on Mars that you have to manage their oxygen levels and productivity and (laughs) right. Correct. And it has to have little robots that'll build all the rides for you. Surviving Mars basically as a theme park game is what I need is what you've just described. And I would probably like that. (laughs) Uh, um, So let's see. I, so then uh, I also recently came across, which I shared with you, and and you, you had already found it actually, but whatever. We both have watched it, but it's a a fan fiction Warhammer 40k mm. video called like a Start Days, Starties, which I guess is somehow tied to Space Marines because I've in all the games that I've subsequently played since then, that word is said. They over are and the over. Adeptus Astartes, are the Space Marines. Uh that's like their Latin name or something. Yeah. Because there's, okay. well, there's the, like, the Adeptus Mechanicum or the Adeptus Mechanis, which are, like, the war priests and tech priests of Mars. And the Adeptus Astartes is kind of the global term for all of the Space Marine factions from all of the various, because there are, like, it gets into lore-heavy stuff, but it, all of the different, like, patriarchs and all of their... lineages are each a different faction of space marines but if you talk about all of them then they are the adeptus astartes it's like a military branch they are and there's like adeptus like navigatorium and those are the navigators and whatever and everything is adeptus something an adept of the thing i see i see um but anyway so uh, super cool by the way if anyone hasn't seen it and wants to see yeah yeah it's only like i mean I, I think there's five parts i think part part five was what just came out last weekend and it was or whatever i say last weekend i don't within the last few weeks right <laughs> uh, and it it's maybe what seven minutes part five and then the other parts are all between like minutes. one minute and three minutes. Yeah. yeah so i mean you can do it in less than 15 i'm pretty sure oh, yeah. the whole thing Really cool animation, no dialogue, very little context for what's going on. I actually didn't realize until quite a way through it. I was like, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure those are Space Marines. <laughs> and then <laughs> it was like, oh, it's Warhammer 40K, okay. Um, but anyway, like I was really impressed with, yeah, I was really just impressed with the the setting of it all, I guess. And so I was like, you know what? I really want to try and play a Warhammer 40K game to see if I can you know, scratch that itch a bit. Um, which I, of course, own several Warhammer 40k games. All of them. (laughs) I think so, actually. Um, So I played uh, Dawn of War 40k, which is the RTS from like 2004. Um, 
it's okay. Uh, it coming, it's probably like it's, it's interesting because I've always heralded the Relic, which that's the developer of Dawn of War and Company of Heroes. Um, I've always heralded them as like the only other real RTS competitor for StarCraft because like StarCraft is the gold standard now StarCraft 2, but it is the gold standard of RTS, right? And other RTSs that don't do exactly what StarCraft do are like they just feel like dumbed down versions of starcraft mm -hmm. so it's like not everything that starcraft has but it also isn't really offering anything unique it's just simplifying parts of starcraft right whereas the relic games they introduce instead of individual units it's squads and then each member of the squad has its own health and you can replenish members of the squad as they die and not lose the whole squad or uh, cover mechanics um, they also heavily emphasize instead of base building there is some base building, but it's not the Sim City that you see in a StarCraft. And instead, you're you're really just building a few buildings and going out on the field. And there's no worker line mining minerals all day like in StarCraft. And so yeah, I, I instead, think the bigger thing was that I thought was crazy about that was that it was strategy based income. Right, got, like, right. Capture points. Yeah. So well, what it does that's cool is it creates hot spots on the map to fight over because you capture a strategic point or whatever they're called a capture point and that's what generates you the resources so now instead of protecting your base is the most important thing which is arguably true in starcraft it's now all these different points on the map have value and so um while i appreciate those what i would call innovations in the rts space um i don't know the dawn of war campaign it was just, a, I mean, I played it for a few hours and, and it wasn't horrible or something, but it was just kind of like, eh, it, it just, honestly, StarCraft against the AI, I also think is boring. Right. Now, StarCraft 2 is a little different because they really leaned into like making weird map objectives and like restricting what's available and also giving you units that are not available in the multiplayer. Uh, the like, whole really meta aspect really drove the single player because you wanted to unlock yeah. the next tier of oh yeah. my siege tank can fly now or whatever you know right yeah agreed um so i don't know i mean in, in to dawn of war's credit it's a, a game from 2004 so right you know time has elapsed um but yeah so i don't know it, it didn't quite scratch the itch that i wanted it to for warhammer i've, I've actually bought a book now on that I'm going to try and get through and see if that is satisfying. I, to be clear, and we talked about it a little bit on our episode we did about board games, but I am not a Warhammer player at all. I've been exposed to Warhammer Fantasy because I played, drumroll please, the MMO that came out for it in 2008. Um, Ding! And I've played... I need yeah. to have a counter now for... <laughs> <laughs> I've played the, um, the, the Total War Warhammer mm -hmm. game, uh, which is also Warhammer Fantasy. And you Fantasy. played Vermintide. But they're all the fantasy. Right. None of them are 40k. Right. And I can see where 40k is really cool. So I'm hoping the book will will kind of satisfy my my desire for it right now. We And we had talked about this some before, but I, I do find it strange. It's something that's always been difficult for me to scratch that itch. Is that like 40k has some of the deepest, craziest, most outlandish lore of any like other established sci-fi like IP. And yet the lore is missing from that there at least the feeling uh, that i get from the lore is missing from all 
media content outside of fan-made content. Like, fan-made videos are the closest you get to, like, actual Warhammer lore. And But none of the games really feel like, even if they follow the lore, it just... I guess part of that even bothered me about because I played the Total War Warhammer and couldn't get very far into that because the orcs were just like very bland. They they keep it seems like they treat the lore very tongue in cheek and try to go for the humor bits. And Warhammer 40k is dark, like it is very dark, and it never touches on that in the stories that you play in in any of the video games. It just never you don't get that gritty feeling. You're always a shiny space Marine doing heroic stuff. And the space Marines are equally as bad and evil as every other race that you can play as. And it's like, I just never get that. I feel like the, every video game has kind of missed the mark on 40 K lore. And I think that that would be what would drive, like we said, that experience forward. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I don't know. I think that to some extent it's because the lore that, you know, I think you're familiar with and that I've come across since seeing that that animated short and trying to look into it. it it's all presented like a history lesson. So it, to learn about Warhammer 40K is similar to like if you were learning about like the Civil War or, you know, World War Two or something. However, that's not how we tell stories. Right. Like the way that story is through characters and... And so it, I think it can be hard to bridge that gap. I mean, to some extent, I think that StarCraft has, and we've talked yeah. about this, I'm sure many times as well, StarCraft has failed in telling a really compelling story because the lore, if you will, the history, the world building of StarCraft, incredible, super cool. But Kerrigan teaming up with Raynor, teaming up with whatever the Protoss guy's name is to stop the bad guy feels like a disney story right you know i also think that to that credit there are some really cool characters in warhammer 40k but the fans are so diehard that i think no game publisher wants to touch doing one wrong like that's not what marnius kalgar sounds like or that's not what the death corpse of creek do like they follow this dot and like i think there would just be a lot of like there are cool characters but you can't tell those stories so right right yeah um so i don't know i think it's probably i I guess my point just being i think it's probably a challenging thing to overcome because the lore is really deep and rich and finding a way to tell a story out of that that is accessible to people who don't already know all of that lore is tough which is why (laughs) i think you always see it with good game mechanics right which is why i think you always see be space marines because it's a person yeah whereas if the game was like you're a tyranid which is kind of like a zerg if i'm yeah. not mistaken that's where zergs like, came from <laughs> right. right um but it's like you know how do you how would you tell that story because it's not a single acting entity it's a hive mind thing you know what i right. mean like so do you play as the overmind which i know it's not called that but whatever the equivalent of that is um anyway i mean i would get so, down playing as norn queen that's what i'm saying like yeah but you <laughs> know, I know, I know. <laughs> They have to sell to more than just you and me. Um, I don't know. I bet if they sold to just you and me, they would sell to a lot of other people too. Because I think, I think a lot of gamers are like us. I mean, I'm not going to speak for could all be. gamers, but yeah, that could. I be. think that the the you know developed by market testing is yeah. You know. 
So then I loaded up, which I also already had, Warhammer 40k Space Marine, which is a third-person action game um, that I don't know how old it is, maybe five, yeah, six Yeah, it's years one of the old. newer ones. I think it's maybe yeah. the newest kind of 40k um, game. No, I mean, like, definitely, like, the there's a, there's a ship one. Oh, that's right, Gothic. Um, Gothic is definitely by far the newest. I forgot about an that. Inquisitor. That's a new one that, that I've played. And there's actually on Origin Access, there's a game that's an ARPG, like a Diablo like that is. Oh, but it's fantasy, though. I think it's I was not gonna say there's not. A, so. I've died. I would I've been wanting something that's Diablo, but 40K or or Starcraft since I heard of those IPs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. What was that game that was, it was uh, uh, Hellgate London? Yeah, Did you ever I never got it? to play that one. I, didn't, I don't know that anyone did because it <laughs> failed horribly. It was out for like three it months. Ter- <laughs> yeah, it was a terrible failure, but it seemed like it was leaning in, in that direction, like a more futuristic sci-fi take on the ARPG. I did a Secret uh, World was about as close as I got to that. Yeah, but that's like an MMO, yeah. not an ARPG. Yeah. So um, anyway, so I played a little bit of Warhammer Space Marine. 40K Space Marine. Yeah, it, it was okay, but probably an un, in unfairness to it um i had probably i've been playing a lot of doom eternal and that game is just so you know as a as a mechanics snob or whatever <laughs> word you want to use um i it's just it's just the ultimate well, it's, it's, it's just hard so... to go for and well, space ring it's not like you said it's not super old but you're going from the literal cutting edge of first person right. shooters to right. the next day playing <laughs> well and it's not a sh- i mean it's not an fps it's also it's kind of a blend of, of third person shooter and melee game because of course you have your chainsaw sword um but i also am a huge fan of like bayonetta ninja gaiden near automata those types of third per- devil may cry those third person action games and it doesn't hold up to those at all either um it's just kind of slow and kind of clunky um so, I don't know. Same thing. Played it for a while. Mm, decided meh. Um, I did beat Doom Eternal. Woo! I finally finished the campaign of that. The, the, that's like the fourth game on your list that you've ever beaten, right? You know what, mister? <laughs> let's actually... You have been doing better actually, about it lately. I'll give you that. Let's see. Let's see if it gives me a count quickly. I won't spend our time with me counting games, but I think it should... <laughs> that's so embarrassing <laughs> yes. so in steam it's more than four but it may as well be given a percentage so in in steam i i used to go through and categorize games as like this is an rpg and this is a, a simulation game whatever and that just got way too tedious and there are some games that don't really fit neatly into right. that kind of bucket so i i i scrapped all of that which was actually a huge ordeal to undo all of oh, those yeah. categories i had to download some database thing and it was weird anyway um so the only category i have i have two categories now i have completed and i have does not work because there are some games that i've gotten through humble bundles that just won't load anymore or whatever just so that way i don't try again um so my total steam library right now let's see in the uncategorized category i have 1028 and completed games 56 <laughs> so it's definitely 
while it's not four compared to a thousand, it may as well be four. Five percent. I get that. Not bad. Yeah, right. Exactly. Not bad. Right. Yeah. Um. Anywho, <laughs> Doom Eternal is now added to that list. What's even worse, though, dude? What's even worse that I hate to admit, but it's even worse is that there's even some janky completed <laughs> games in that list of fifty-six. Like Rocket League is one of them, which I know you have never. You know what? You want me to play Gone Home? Saddle I up was going to offer it. that because I knew it would work, but I was like, eh, I don't know if I'm gonna. I don't want to play that card yet. I may. Anyway. If we're gonna come in one of these days, and I'm gonna play your game, and I'm gonna demand that you play mine. I'm gonna demand <laughs> like the day. <laughs> But so Rocket League is obviously mostly a multiplayer experience that you can't really quote unquote beat. However, it does have a season mode that you can play against bots. And I did do that and win the championship so that I could feel confident in saying I beat it and put it in the completed games category. If you started completing tutorials as calling a game completed, you still wouldn't have more than maybe 20% of your games (laughs) in that category. But dude, I mean, now, honestly, since I've been subscribing to hum- Humble Monthly for a while now, I mean, it's, it's you know, at least 10 games a month. Right. It, and when I had Humble Monthly, I couldn't, I couldn't be can't. bothered to put them all into Steam. That was too much work. <laughs> it's, I, I carve out a night. I mean, it doesn't take a whole night, but I, I set aside an evening about once a month where I'm like, okay, I'm going to add all 10 keys tonight and get them added. And then they're there. Um. But anyway, so Doom Eternal, though, um, obviously we've done two episodes about Doom, so I won't go on at length, but yeah, it's it it's super, super great. Um, it wasn't actually quite as long as I thought it was going to be. Um, I, I clocked in around 20 hours right, so I was gonna of ask gameplay time. time was on it, so. Which, again, I'm not complaining about yeah, that no. necessarily. But I loved it so much that if, it, if there was another, I don't know, maybe another 20 hours, but whatever, I would have taken more, and if, if they release single-player DLC, I will be first in line to buy that and, and play through it. Um, it, Like I said before, it just improves on everything that 2016 did. There's one specific enemy type that I don't like, uh, which I won't go too much into, but you don't fight it that often, and when you do, it, it's one at a time and, and whatever, but I kind of felt like it was just cheap uh, and... It, it, it's very, it has very limited time frames where it can be damaged. And so because of that, it's just easy to get beat by it somewhat frequently. So there were a lot of reloads at checkpoints where I had to fight that enemy type, and, and that was frustrating. But I persevered. Um, and then, uh, yeah, played a little bit of Terraria. I've just really been all over the map. Played a little bit of Company of Heroes 2, because after playing the Dawn of War series, I was like, oh, I want to play a modern <laughs> take on the RTS, the, the latest thing that Relic did. So played a little bit of that. Played a little Sonic Mania. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if you've seen or familiar with that. I have that and haven't. It, that's a rainy day game for me as well. So, so Sonic Mania is is actually pretty cool. It's, it's a throwback to the OG Sega Genesis Sonic games. And it's the same themed levels. So like the first zone is Green Hills right. Act One or whatever. But it's not the same. No, they brought zone. in uh several fan game creators to mm. help make the game hack because they I mean Sonic games have been trying to 
werewolf sonic and sonic team force five and whatever and they are all terrible and they all get always get put in like literally worst game meme of the year award always goes to a sonic game so when they were saying they were going to do a throwback a lot of people were scared and they were like no we're we went and hired all the people that were trying to make these illegal copyright infringing versions of 2d sonic games we just hired all of them and we brought them all in and said you get to still make your game just do it under our license and do it not copyright you know infringing and we'll pay you for it and just make a good game and they did yeah you know it's 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 very well done um the the boss fights are so hilarious like some of them are you know most of them are the traditional dr robotnik shows up in a ship and you you know have to hit the ship so many times or whatever to, to beat him but one of the boss fights you just play a clone of dr mario against dr robotnik <laughs> and like you like it's like a pvp dr mario where you've got two sides whenever you clear a line it adds pieces to it's his side or whatever. like a mean bean machine sort of thing like yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty that's hilarious good. that's um, awesome I was, I was impressed but um but yeah the thing i spent probably the most time with outside of doom eternal is uh satisfactory uh which is actually on the epic game store yeah. uh, kind of like factorio except 3d and i think very visually appealing um a pretty fun game actually it's it, it it's interesting to see that kind of the logistics kind of game in the 3d first person space mm -hmm. um it has some challenges because you know like in factorio if you need to lay a 30 block long of strip of conveyor belt you can just drag that with your mouse and do it and it's very easy because it's not first person whereas in a first person setting the problem becomes is that you can only see you know really a few blocks ahead of you to, to place things or whatever and if there's if there's a building in front of you you have to move around the building whereas in factorio since it's isometric you don't um but yeah really cool and, and they've, they've got some cool ideas to try and counter that where you like you can build a lookout tower that's pretty cheap and and easily scale that and and then have kind of a bird's eye view on your base and you can easily disassemble and reassemble not only the tower, but everything in the game. So they don't punish you too hard for needing to rebuild stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I got scared because it was like, I hit a technology jump that was like, now I'm going to have to rebuild a lot of stuff. So I, I, I let go at that point, but I think I'll probably go back to it because it's, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> No pun intended, but it's satisfying, satisfactory. Yeah. You know, it's. A... <laughs> I, I've definitely had it on my list. I've been waiting for a full release because I, they yeah. do a lot of content updates fairly frequently, and it's like that's awesome. But I'm gonna wait for that type of game. I definitely want, you know, a, a 1.0. I also have to go back and say thank you for calling it Doctor Robotnik. I I want to flay anybody that calls it Doctor Eggman, including Sega. I never understood that. Like yeah. Doctor Robotnik's just Always a cooler name. Right. I was always confused by where Eggman came from because I, I mean, I played the Sonic games since they came out and it was definitely Robotnik. Mm -hmm. I would remember Eggman. Yeah. And then I remember hearing that and I was like, since when did it change to that? That'd be like if all of a sudden Bowser was like, Dr. Turtleface. Yeah. Like, like, what? No, just Bowser. It's fine. We all get yeah. it. We can all learn the name. Anyway. 
Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I've had kind of a sporadic week of 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 gaming. Recorded a lot of podcasts in the last couple of weeks, though, both for for our show and then for my other walk, you know, podcast, the Walk Show. So, kind of limited time, but uh, <laughs> I say that still managed to say, play eight you're different. Like, oh, limited time, and my lot of games. I'm like ashamed of my three because you're just like, oh, I just played like twelve games last week. Well, <laughs> here's the thing that we didn't that I didn't mention though that or that didn't come out come out because it, it didn't happen is. I didn't play any MMOs and that's usually my time sink that like for me to be really spending a lot of time playing games. Usually I'm playing an MMO. I actually have been a little concerned because you haven't talked about your wow characters lately. I, yeah, I haven't played wow in probably, I don't know, several weeks. I think, so we did the episode where I was like, I think I can do four MMOs at once. <laughs> whatever stupid thing. That I should have taken the bet on. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Cause yeah, I would have lost almost immediately. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely since that time, um, I had, I went out of town and then came back and was very busy with work. And then, like I said, several podcast recordings that we've been doing and, um, yeah, I don't know, just haven't, haven't had the time and, and really, I don't know, to some extent the, the desire doom eternal came out right. and I was so excited about that, um, that that's really my go-to here. <laughs> Soon enough. Soon enough. Be excited about um, that. I need to get my stimulus PC in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. No, I mean it's it's uh it's not it's not disappointing. In, I actually think I'm I, just as excited, like because stimulus PC should hopefully come with Valve Index. Like, mm. I I want to. I'm gonna have to save up a little bit more, but I want to play Alex. And there's a ton of other just other random. You know, like I've been wanting to play Beat Saber forever, and it's just a lot of. I want to watch a movie with a VR headset on. Now, it's not like it makes the movie VR. No, I no. know that. But, but like, just... it can give you movie theater experience where there's like seats beside you and stuff. Like, just simply having your view be isolated to just the screen, not like, having to worry about glare because, like, the right. sun's in a weird spot or something. Like, getting the nighttime movie theater feel in the daytime, so, like, there's no sun, you don't have to have blackout curtains, you have to turn off the hall light because it reflects just right. Like, right. yeah. A future of VR movies. I can't wait. Soon. So that's all for our episode today. Please join the discussion by tweeting your thoughts to us at P-U-Y-S-Pod, or follow us there to get a notification on stream times. Check out the links below for many other ways of getting a hold of us, from email to Discord. We'd love to hear and discuss your thoughts. If you like this episode, please rate, star, thumbs up, and review us wherever you're listening. And please, tell a friend about us. It really does make a difference. All of our links can be available in the show notes, and if you want more of Walker's personal insights on pretty much everything in life not related to gaming, check out his other podcast, The Walk Show, which is available everywhere podcasts are found. NFL fans, Dak Prescott here. Want to spend Sunday afternoons with your favorite teams and players? Switch to DirecTV and get NFL Sunday ticket included at no extra cost. I'm talking every live out-of-market game, every Sunday, no matter where you live. So switch to DirecTV to get the 2020 NFL Sunday ticket season included at no extra cost. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Out-of-market games only. Requires choice package or above. Minimum $74.99 a month before discounts. Prices higher in second year. Regional sports fee up to $9.99 a month. Applies. 24-month agreement, activation, other fees, terms, and restrictions apply.